The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with CCLN, the dream weaver. My whole life crumbled. I went through the, a whole life shakeup and I ended up moving in with my brother to uh, start saving for us to move here to Atlanta. And he, you know, helped me take care of my kids. And I mean, not really, but he let us stay there with him. And it, it was really that scene. I mean, there were a lot more details to it, but it was the scene of my mom dying and my whole life falling apart. Aside from that, you know, my marriage, I had to give up my business. I lost my home all in the same year. I really enjoyed this interview with Cece Elaine, and it brings me back to my days at University of Florida with so many Georgian friends and that beautiful southern twang that so soft and and delightful and Cece is such a delight and soulful and understands dreams and intuition through the hard times so you should really enjoy this interview so let's get to it let's hear it from Cece Elaine the dream weaver welcome to the open nesters podcast my new friend Cece Elaine and you'll tell us the name of your company soon and what all the kind of great work you're doing and we were connected though through a friend because you're down in Atlanta how are you doing today? <laughs> uh, I'm doing really well today, Tessa. Um, you know, I just come off of a lot of change, but um, I'm in a good place today. One day at a time, right? It's so so honest to just say, how are we showing up with how we are? It's not about, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. And everything's fine. It's like some days are a little harder. And I know you've gone through a lot lately. And and then, so give us a framing of where you are at your stage of life, especially vis-a-vis uh, your, your kids and being an open nester and you're a single mom. So let me give us a little framing on that. Yeah. Um, so I, I have three daughters and they are ages 15, 21, and 23. And <laughs> it's really crazy. You know, I was looking so forward to being a, an open nester Um, You know, this whole 23 year journey, I've been looking forward to, you know, not that I'm dismissing motherhood or anything, just I was, you know, thinking, oh, I did this, you know, at a certain time in life. And at some point, you know, they'll be out of the nest and living on their own and I'll get to live, you know, a new different kind of life as well. But my two older ones, um, moved out. Uh, Actually, they both went away to college. And then when the pandemic hit, they came back home and then, you know, stayed at home and did school and everything um, for a while. And then we all had to move from our family home just a little over a year ago. And the two older ones got an apartment together instead of coming to live with me. And that was very exciting for me, you know, just to me and my my younger one. Her name is Zoe um, moving into a new space and living a whole new life, you know, with just the two of us. Well, what propelled that the, the move? 
The well, so the house we were living in, um, the uh, we were renting it, and the owners decided to sell. I see. Um, after seven years, we had been in that home, um, and they wanted to sell it. Um, you know, because things were good for them in the real estate world during the pandemic. Um, so they wanted to get on that, and so they really wanted to us to leave the year right before the pandemic hit. And I didn't know what we were going to do. It was such a crazy experience because, you know, work had stopped for the world and people weren't moving around or even going outside at that time. And they were want the end of our lease was up and they were wanting to sell then. And then the news of the shutdown hit and they let us stay another year, which was a miracle because I was scrambling trying to figure out what in the world we were going to do. Wow. And you were still you were still uh, working and actually pandemic probably shut you down as a bridal dress uh, yes, designer. Right. I, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and owner. So I know you've done some really creative things and and brought this call idea of the bride into kind of your intuitive life. I'm I'm actually we're going to get into that in a minute. And I just think uh, so your girls, all girls. Yeah. And then noticing that they can also be together now in an apartment and where they are and and support each other at this new stage in the transition. It's kind of reassuring to know that our kids are doing that. Right. I mean, that's a big reassurance. Well, it wasn't easy for them. You know, they're very different than each other. One of them is really earthy and the other one's very glamorous uh-huh. in, in terms of their lifestyle, even. Um, and so the reason I prefaced it with all of that is because now one of them is moving back home. Oh, okay. (laughs) But okay. (laughs) And and then accepting that maybe because they're different, how how are they doing with, you know, did they, was it all clashes? Because it's important to know how do our, how do we view and witness our kids as they get older and not try to fix them. So I'm curious how you're looking at that whole view of, of this stage of watching them. So are they okay? Are they just made of, mature just sometimes it's hard to be mature about those decisions they yeah. if they're very different was it a hard kind of work i'm coming back to you mom situation <laughs> right you know it wasn't really so much of them moving uh the one moving back home wasn't as much about them not getting along as it was um she's working on a lot of entrepreneurial projects and um it's just really been tough for her to work like she needs to. It's pretty expensive to live here, um, you know, for young people just starting out for sure. Everywhere, especially the cities. Yeah. 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 So she, you know, really just wanted a break financially. And but the thing is now, Tessa, she she she's taking over my office. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to be her room. And not only that, she's really getting into decorating. And how it's, you know, she's going to do her de- her room and everything. And I'm like, now, this is just a temporary situation. You're just supposed <laughs> to be taking a break really quick and then moving on. But, you know, I'm not pressuring her because I really don't mind her. I, actually, it feels very divine, um, her moving back home and me starting my new career, which I know will uh, uh, make me need to travel at times and leaving my younger one at home, you know, for days on end is really not very comfortable for me. So having her here really is going to be a blessing. 
Amen. I love that. I love it. I love the, the perspectives that we give our transitions. So thank you yeah. for that kind of framing. I think that's really important. So tell me, tell me about also your family and your experiences in life that are bringing you to where you are today on a, maybe a spiritual level. And where, give us some frame, some ideas of why at this open nest are you so open to this new career and how's that career kind of manifesting in you? So my new career is, uh, or the business is called Intuitive Living Today. Um, and it's not just about intuition. It's about um, being aware of the invisible um, elements of life, meaning intuition, meaning energy, and the energetics, uh, the energetic exchange that we have with one another, with the environment, with nature, and all of that, and how we maneuver through that um, instinctively meaning intuitively. And um, the whole thing about how the universe is always speaking to us through signs and synchronicities and clues and all of that. And so how I came to that is, um, you know, when I was very young, I started to notice that particular situations that showed up for me felt like divine appointments like even if it was uncomfortable and, um, and of course the good times um, felt important, not tragic, but important, even when it didn't feel good. And, you know, I always tell the story of I'm adopted and um, I was adopted back in a time when the civil rights movement was going on and women's rights were being advocated for. And it was a lot of upheaval and social um, injustices going on. And my mom, my biological mom was white and my father was black. And um, that was, and it was in Indiana, um, which was, you know, not really okay with that. Nope. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I feel like that initial me just even being born into the, that particular circumstance and being given up for adoption was certainly a divine appointment. And I always saw it like that, you know, from the moment I found out I was adopted, which my big head brother is the one who told me like in the midst of a fight one day when we were really little, you know, we were arguing and fighting and he's like, so what? You were adopted. And I'm like, what? I didn't believe it. Um, but, you know, then I went to my mom and she's like, yeah, you were adopted. And, you know, and it, it, the um, information wasn't available to us, you know, back then the, the files were sealed or whatever. So you couldn't really get information. So she didn't know anything about my birth parents or anything. But, um, you know, she just shared with me that, yeah, I was adopted and you know, they loved me and I never felt different or anything. Um, but I always saw that as a good thing, not a bad thing um, growing up. And I, I felt special, actually, that my parents chose me. You know, they really, really wanted me. And I know some parents, a lot of parents do, but I know all three of mine were beautiful surprises that I had to hurry up and just figure out how to be a mom, too and help them stay alive, you know, along their journey. Um, so, you know, that, that whole divine appointment thing, I think is what 
the perspective I've kept, you know, ever since I found out I was adopted, you know, I chose to see it from the perspective of this is a good thing. This is a divine thing. And every time I faced a challenge, you know, along the way, not that I was always really aware of that when I was younger, that it was an important ingredient to my journey. But over time, I really got conscious and aware of that. And I I started seeing everything from that perspective, you know, even, you know, dreams and, um, you know, a lot of people do have prophetic dreams, I think. Um, But I started having prophetic dreams in such a way that the, the things were playing out in my real life. And even it, even the tragic ones. Can you and give so, us an example? Yeah, I surely can. Um, one major dream I had about t- 10 years ago, um, I was in a church with my brother and my three daughters And I was laying in the pews in the back of the church, crying hysterically. And all of a sudden I looked up to the altar and this hot beam of light shined right on my face. And in this really deep, profound voice, God said, take bold steps, just like that. And I remember feeling like, wow, like I didn't really realize it was God. And I'm not even religious or even go to church for that matter. Just it was such an intense scene. And my brother took my daughters and said, I got them and went down in the basement. And I was like, no, no, no. So anyway, the way it ended up playing out in real life was my mom died suddenly and she hadn't died prior to this. Uh, you know, this was before she died. Was, uh, was she sick? She, um, I mean, she was always sick, you know, but she wasn't, uh, well, when she died, she was in a rehab facility recovering from spine surgery. I see. But that it wasn't life-threatening, but that's actually where she died and why she died. Um, but it wasn't, we didn't expect that. Um, but the scene was her death in the funeral and What happened after that was my whole life crumbled. I went through a whole life shakeup and I ended up moving in with my brother to uh, start saving for us to move here to Atlanta. And he, you know, helped me take care of my kids. And I mean, not really, but he let us stay there with him. And it was really that scene. I mean, there were a lot more details to it, but it was the scene of my mom dying and my whole life falling apart. Aside from that, you know, my marriage, I had to give up my business. I lost my home all in the same year. Um, And I know a lot of people go through that, but I love telling that story because even with all of that, I swear I did not feel despair in it. I felt inspired, actually. It was really crazy and really hard and really uncertain. But the whole time, I really felt like I was being positioned to go higher in my life. And to take, and that's the way to take this bold steps. Like I'm just thinking about even the other part of the dream, like your brother going into the basement and almost like giving refuge to the kids as far as a space. 
and you having the light on you to make sure you need to shine that light and it's coming through the shadow to shine your own bold light. Like that's my feeling about what you just told me. Like, wow, that's powerful. Wow. I've never thought of it in that way. Wow. It really felt like that now that you say that. Yeah. (laughs) So when we're open to intuition, even though we go through distress or even though we go through, like you said today, I'm doing well, there are moments of sadness. There's moments of feeling our feelings, right? See, see, it's not about denying them. And yet there's this underlying underbelly of consciousness that when we're given some kind of, I think, a gift of light to come through that, that we're drawn to more of the light. And we're and, and that's a blessing that I'm grateful for every day. I mean, I haven't had some of the despair and the and the and the tragedy that I think many people have been through in the world. And yet some kind, my daughter even says my trauma response mechanism is much higher as, as an adaptability factor. I was, you know, I, have, I, was, I was molested and when I was 14. Somebody followed me home and I got out of it with a lot of fierceness. And yet I, it didn't damage me. And, you know, so I wasn't traumatized. And then a bunch of other many little things in my life. And my daughter's who's had much more trauma from a much more serious thing in her life. When she started doing more therapy, she said, well, you know, it must be a certain way that some people don't have as big of an, a trauma response or an adapt, have an adaptability that maybe it's this, um, in Kabbalah, we call it this Gilgul, this cycle of, our, of, of what we're here to learn doesn't have that that need because we learned that part before Mm. some way of seeing the light through the darkness and having the darkness, but knowing that we adapt. And so I wonder if it's teachable. So actually that's a question I have for you. If you're going to be doing some of this kind of intuitive work, I'd love to hear some examples of how, how do you teach people to tap into their intuition and into in the earth and more signs of just getting outside is the huge first thing I, I think. And for me, it's been even more and more recently. Mm. And I wonder how you're teaching that. Yeah. You know, specifically with my daughters, um, they uh, right before we moved into all of our new spaces, um, the two older ones were dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression And that was very scary for me because I would rather them go through physical traumas than emotional traumas because that can stick for such a long time. And it can really be a hard place to get out of, you know, when you dwell there for long enough time. And so I was really concerned during that time. And I brought out every trick in the book to help them recover and move through that um, effectively and efficiently is what I call it. Um, And so I know with the middle child, the one that's very earthy, my suggestion for her was exactly what you just said. She likes to go hiking and be out in nature and stuff. And so I always would say her name's Deja. And I would always tell her, when she would come to me and tell me, you know, she's going through something that day, I'm like, just go, go on a walk. I promise you take in the trees. And I know people say that all the time and it really sounds like not a real remedy, but it really is a remedy for anxiety and depression and just even feeling low in general. 
being amongst the trees. And if there can be, you know, on the top and sides, and if water can be involved, all of that really is so healing to us because we're a part of that. We're an extension of all of that anyway. Exactly. And that kind of connection really can, uh, as they say, ground you and, and heal you, at least for the time. You know what? You I'm going to put a video up in the resources or maybe in the blog here. Someone just sent me about research done w- about grounding and earthing with our feet because of the electromagnetic electromagnetic currents of the earth and how far we've come from that. And that's actually affected not only our emotional states, which is hugely out of alignment, but our physical inflammation. There's so much evidence that's not out there because I think of the big pharmaceutical, the companies that have to keep that squelched. I'm sorry, I'm not necessarily at all somebody who's paranoid about these things, but I do feel like we need to know more how our bodies need nurturing and to connect to earth is probably the most essential thing we can do and barefoot for as, yes. long, as long as we can. Yes. There's so much evidence around it. And I'm going to put it into our, into our discussion because I think it's really important. I'll put it in the blog for people to see that the science that's been proving this for many years. Yeah. So, so you, you, that's the way you gave your daughter. And then how about the daughter that doesn't want to go into the earth as much? Like what, how does her <laughs> intuition, and it's true, we, you know, we're all so different and I have yeah. friends that are also different in that way. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, how do they tune into their own cycles of, is it sometimes beauty I think can help if they're into fashion? Yeah. Yeah. I think for her, um, Kyra, my older daughter, she, um, she's extremely intuitive and even psychic um, can foresee things. Um, naturally, she doesn't really acknowledge it as much as I do, but she she's aware that she has that, that capability. And she's also very sensitive to energies. You know, we all have a, a sensitivity to the energies around us, but she's highly sensitive to energies around her and are very much affected by that. And so my exercise with her was one of the things is identifying whether or not it really was her because the four of us are so connected, whether we're across town or out of town or in the same house, we really do feel and acknowledge one another's energetic um, emotions, even without knowing what's really going on. So I would always make her question that. First of all, are you feeling down today because it's you or are you feeling me because I'm over here stressed about we got to move and, you know, whatever the thing is that I'm dealing with. And then if she and she's really good at knowing that that's a thing, it's not always us that we're feeling when we're feeling down. Sometimes it's the people around us that we've tapped into and we don't realize it. And then the other thing is, if it is her and she's feeling some kind of way about, you know, whatever she's dealing with in the moment, her thing is writing. She and and my my instructions to them about writing in their journal is and this may not be good for everybody, but based off of how I believe energy works, I always say never write about your problem. Write out the way you want your situation to ultimately be only and started off with thank you. Thank you that I feel really good today. Thank you that 
even though I feel um, I'm going through something, I know this is my refinement. Always turning it around into the, uh, you know, the duality, you know, and that's another thing, Tessa. You said something earlier and I wanted to bring it up, but I, I think you got on another topic, but we do live in this world of duality, you know, light and dark, good and bad, all that. And it actually is a choice that we have in every moment to, to choose to dwell on which side. And, you know, a lot of times people are in their heads about all of the what ifs about a situation. Well, if I take this job, but what if I can't go out at night and be with my friends? Or if I take the job, what if it doesn't pay me enough money? Or, you know, I don't know. That's that rational mind thing stepping in. But even because we really do have that, you have the choice since none of it, it has happened and all of it is only potential. Why not choose the potential that makes you feel better? Even if all of it is not real yet. So choose to dwell on the side that makes your vibration raise, your frequency higher. Choose that side and do your best to dwell there in your thoughts about it. And they get so mad at me for saying that. It's like, how can I dwell on the happy side when I'm feeling so bad? But I say all of it is just potential. None of it has happened yet. Well, and that's, you have- that's the distinction. I think that's the distinction is the story versus the emotion. So, the, you know, I, 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 there's this great little TikTok that went around of a, a cool, a, a, this cool guy or he's non-binary and he keeps on saying, be with the emotion, let go of the story, be with the emotion, let go of the story. So the truth is, I do feel like we need to go through the emotions of whatever darkness. I mean, you, I know you lost your brother recently, and I wanted to talk about that for a moment when you're, when we get off of this topic, but it's tied in. We have the sadness around that. And yet, like you even went through different tragedies and you had some kind of light that came through because you didn't dwell on what was going to be. You didn't make a story Mm-hmm. in your brain about how bad that was. Instead, yes, you, your orientation was maybe maybe that's a little genetic for all of us, and yet it's a training. We can then focus on the light. And yet we have to feel our emotions. So it's both. I mean, it's that's also a paradox that we have to hold as we wisen, is to hold that we have emotions about it and we can't be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just I think that's that's the distinction, like you said, like where what are you imagining into is, mm-hmm. is, is so important. And, and that's and you brought up a very good point that I know a lot of people uh, bring up in terms of don't push your emotions down and don't just you know sweep them under the rug or love and light them away. And that is not, you know. That's not what I mean by that either. So that's what I call effective and efficiently moving through your situation. You know, I always tell them, okay, this is what it is. Go ahead and feel, you know, let's say they broke up with their boyfriend and they're just distraught. Okay, feel that's a big one and that's really hard to do. So maybe that's not the best example, but let's just say that's it. Feel what you feel about it. Maybe two, three, four times. Talk about it to your friends. Tell me about it one or two good times. But after you've told it fully and you feel like you've really explained yourself about it, stop there. Analyze what your part was in it and analyze the whole situation so that you can get a grasp of 
how it came about and whatever the lessons are in there and the refinement for you. And then that's the point when you start choosing to dwell on the um, duality side of the situation. Because the longer you keep telling everybody about the story and what happened and how it made you feel, you're creating more and more and more of that to keep occurring in your life. And so go ahead and process it effectively and efficiently and then leave it in the past. And yes, it will come up again, but when it does and you start thinking about it again, remember, That was a refining moment for you. All of those things I consider to be refinements. It means it's teaching you about yourself. Welcome to the Explore More section of our podcast. We invite you to visit the Rich Resource Center at theopennesters.com. If you like podcasts that open you up for more spirituality in your life, Please give a listen to some interviews that Tessa have done recently with some women experts in their field. If you haven't yet heard, episode 92, Goddess Wisdom with Madeline Sklar. And episode 88, The Universe Waiting for Your Order with Esther Jones Alley. teaching you what you do and don't and certainly, lie. And certainly in a relationship. So just to bring Absolutely. it to this open nester stage, we've invested in relationships with our kids. And then I think of how would you give someone advice when they feel this emptiness? Um, maybe not like you, like they couldn't wait for the kids to leave, like, or, <laughs> or, or they, which, which I actually couldn't wait either. And I'm actually happy our son ended up coming home because it gave me a new reflection for what you're calling this refinement of our relationship during the mm-hmm. time he's home. And yet at the moment of 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 uh, of a break or of, a, of a, something you're not in control of, like your brother passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm curious, first of all, about your brother and how you dealt with that transition and had, how you frame that, as well as what you would advise for people facing the open nest. So. Yeah, my best friend um, is a recent open nester, and she just called me last night asking me what I'm doing. And I was very busy, you know, working on stuff for my new business. And she said, and I almost shut her down and said, I can't talk. But she said, I need some interaction. Her daughter just went off to college and she was one of those extreme involved parents. Her daughter and son both were athletes and were heavily, you know, traveling and all the stuff. And now it just completely has stopped. And she's, you know, not married. And she's like, I just need some interaction. So of course I, you know, gave her my time. But the thing about that for her, to me, is she was very busy in from the moment she had her first child, devoting her whole self to the raising of her children. And, you know, I asked her some time back before her daughter finally left. And I was like, did you ever spend any time going within? Did you ever stop at all ever? And it wasn't a criticism. I was because she always kind of looked at me as, you know, this flighty spiritual person who's, you know, just got everything and all of that. And it wasn't really um, something that she found useful for herself. And so I, you know, brought her back and I thought, 
you know, that's the thing about a lot of people is that they rush through life or they just go through life, you know, with the routines that they have, whether it involves just children or even just the relationship without taking significant um, time to self-reflect and find out what really matters to them and to evaluate their beliefs, you know, and their intentions. Beliefs meaning the things that they've been programmed with through, um, you know, unintentionally or unknowingly, you know, with their parents and childhood experiences, relationships, all the things. And, And reflect on that and decide, do I still even believe in that? And if I do, why? You know, and what really resonates with me today and how do I start integrating, you know, something that I that is new to me. And that's where I see her being as an empty nester now is she's starting to do yoga. She's got a boyfriend who's talking about energy. And I'm like, and she's buying crystals and all the things. And I'm like, this is your time. You know, you couldn't afford in her mind, she couldn't afford to do it when the kids were around. And now that she's alone, instead of feeling alone, take this time to rediscover yourself and also reinvent yourself in in deep ways. I don't mean buy clothes and get a new body. Yes, that is nice too, but really go within and understand why you have been who you have been and see who you want to be now. Oh, I'm so happy you phrased it that way. It was such a beautiful thing for us to be able to point to on the in, on the podcast and actually use as a teaser, probably, because I think that's the message that you want for people to go inside and to tap their intuition. So how, how did you do that for yourself during some of the hardest things like your brother passing? Well, with my brother, um, the reason why that, you know, of course, because he's my brother and we were always very, very close um, growing up. You know, we got a little weird in our adult life because of a lot of things. But ultimately, we were always very close and had each other's back always. But the reason why it is even more intensified is both of our parents are gone and all of our aunts and uncles are also um, passed away. And there was no one left except me and him in the immediate family. And we do still have an aunt who's alive, um, who married into the family, but when we were very young, so she's still a part, you know, very close family member, but our immediate family, it was just me and him. He had a hard time with that, not having that support system around uh, of the elders in the family and the people who had the most sense, in my opinion. You know, all of us in our age group, some, you know, went off the deep end. A, a few of them went off the deep end and haven't found their way back. So we always felt like we were the only two sane people left in the family. But I don't even know if that's true. They probably don't think of us as sane, but... <laughs> So when he passed um, just uh, about a week and a half ago, um, you know, it was something, you know, now everybody is gone, you know, as far as how I see it, everybody is gone and it's just me. And then I also have the piece about being adopted, um, which I have siblings in my biological family on both sides. 
And I don't, you know, I have um, contact with the ones on my mom's side, but we don't really communicate regularly. When he passed, you know, everybody has been asking me like, wow, you seem really good. And wow, you're awfully perky considering, you know, your brother just passed and how close we were and all that. What I discovered, even when my father, who was the first person who ever died, who was very close to me, when he died, I remember being so worried about going to the funeral, like thinking I had never experienced that before. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to take it. I, I just don't I can't handle that. I can't go. And I just had my first baby and he died two months after she was born. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't take it. So anyway, I told everyone to go on to the funeral and I would come by myself. And when I came by myself and I walked in there and they had the casket out and it was an open casket and everything. And I walked up to the casket. I remember specifically thinking to myself, that's not even him. I was like, this is so not what I was thinking. I was so good. I was like, wow, you know, because it's the spirit that animates the body. Right. And that was not in there. And that wasn't even him to me, even though he looked the same and, all, and he hadn't been sick or anything. So he looked the same. But I was like, that wasn't him. His spirit was him. Now, when I turned and looked at the collage of pictures of him, that's when it felt you know, when I just lost it a little bit, was looking at the animated version of him. But the body was not him at all. And so all of that that I had conjured up in my mind prior to was not relevant in that situation for me. And it was actually the same with my mother. Everybody was like, wow, she's like smiling and laughing. And I was in charge of planning the whole thing. And my mom and dad were both pretty um, humorous, sarcastic. You know, we were a happy-go-lucky, you know, not happy-go-lucky, but funny family. You know, everything was a joke or we could see the funniness in, or the light in all the things all the time. Even when we were getting in trouble, you know, we'd make light of it or whatever. So I wanted my mom's funeral to be, I, I asked my cousin to officiate it. And he had some kind of, um, license to do that. So, and so he made it funny and I'm laughing sitting in the front row as everybody's talking and stuff, not, you know, rudely laughing, but just smiling and stuff. And people were really perplexed by that, but it was because number one, I had already had that experience with my dad and I felt the same way when I saw my mom in that casket, but I also Tessa still felt her around me sincerely, I felt that and still do with, with my brother, my mom and my dad. They are, I'm mean, big on ancestors watching over us, guiding us, you know, through animals in nature, showing up in profound ways. I know those are my ancestors, specifically red birds. The red birds that have shown up for me are my mom. And then when there's two of them, it's my mom and my dad. And I know it for a fact. And, and now my brother has, I'm not saying he's turned into this, but his way of communi communicating with us right after he passed was through um, a hummingbird 
in such a profound and significant way, Hummingbird, I don't know if it was more than one or if it was the same one that kept coming around. I know it was my brother. And so, you know, that's a part of, you know, the thing that I want to teach too is our connection with nature and how the universe speaks to us, comforts us and guides us. And I have always felt, you know, since the passing of my parents, very much alone. You know, I was married to a man who dealt with alcohol, um, Addiction. Uh, addiction. And that was such a, you know, anyway, just I felt alone in my raising of my children and me following my dreams and having not a real support system for me to turn to while I do all of that. And that was my way of not feeling alone is acknowledging these, the way that the universe supports us and how when we do activate our dreams, And I don't mean that it's always the biggest grand dream for our life, even our small dreams. When we activate those and make decisions about a direction we want to go or an intention we want to to do, then we activate all the particles in the universe to come together and get in position and be poised to greet us every step of the way at every turn. And that is how I have found, you know, not to be lonely and not to feel like I have no support. Well, I have have the chills listening to you. This is so resonant. And I'm so happy you have this message for the world because, you know, I do see that your career has, has that full, that, that light around it to bring more of it. It's what we need right now. People Mm -hmm. feel alone. They need connection with nature and I mean, we need connection and connection and community as well, you know, grassroots and community. And, and we've doing, been doing a lot of it on Zoom, but I'm looking forward in my work to doing kind of backyard events where people connect through dance and their own personal energy with the nature. But I love the fact that you can help people kind of tune in through your, through the, through your life of experiences. So, uh, so what's next for you and what would you suggest just so that we can wind down a little bit on this conversation? Like what, what do you see for yourself? Let's talk about first and then maybe what you suggest for other people. So my work is really connecting the culture back into its nature, its own nature, and with the nature that we see surrounding us, because we are truly extensions of that. And we are supported in that just like the butterfly is supported through its transformation, um, even though it's uncertain when it's going through that. And we are supported that way. And that's my my mission is to, because it is so scary to feel alone. And I mean, as many people, even in relationships, you can feel lonely, even though someone's sleeping right next to you. And that is such a hard place to be in, is to feel all alone. And My um, hope is that I can help others get to a place of feeling supported and um, comforted, even when they actually are alone in their journeys. And to, you know, the other big piece is having dreams and purpose. That's another reason why people feel so much despair is not having any purpose in their lives. And a lot of people don't know how to find purpose. And that's another um, 
aspect to my intuitive living work is to help people activate their dreams and then to be able to see the signs and clues and guidance from nature and the universe as they move along to achieve their dreams. Well, I've used this lately, but as the indigenous people say, I've learned in Colombia, aho, like just confirming to all of our relations and especially with the earth and the signs and our own intuition and our own vibration. So I really value all of this so much, Cece. So um, would you like to leave any kind of last words for things that not unsaid that you want to say or some message for people going through a transition into the open nest? I think the biggest thing um, I want to share is, you know, step into your greatness and live your life by design and find the courage, clues and faith to follow your own divine path and take bold steps. Bold steps. Thank you so much for this time, sweetheart. I've so enjoyed it. Well, Tessa, great interview as always. I think that C.C. Elaine has some superpower that I really, really appreciate. You know, I looked at the dictionary and intuition means direct perception of truth, fact, etc., independent of any reasoning process, immediate apprehension. Wow. That is what intuition is all about. And that's what she possesses. It's a truth, I'm looking at what you put up, a truth perceived in kind of with a, qu- a quick insight, almost like intuition that we need to practice having. And 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 obviously she started younger, but this, this teaching of kind of looking at each setback as a way to refine our path and our dreams and what is the universe trying to teach us. And it seems so simple, but those things are the, are the hardest things. So I love how she talked about each child that she's actually her own adult kids and how each of them have their own ways to to then adapt and how we how we how we overcome things by looking at at them as a reset i love the idea of of the refinement but, and the resetting but do we develop an intuition over the years is intuition is synonyms to wisdom we learn how to identify the truth in fact and understand it independent of any reasoning process? Is this wisdom that we're calling intuition? Or is it just another superpower? What do you think? I think I think it can be developed. I think that intuition is almost this beyond our five senses. It's this intuition that we that we practice and sometimes we're born with a little more of it or genetically or or around it more so that we're more tuned into the signs. I mean I know people that were very tuned in and they were seekers and they noticed things in a very sensitive way since they're young and then I know other people who are just because they've slowed down and they listen more to their gut they can listen to that intuition and they can be more in tune to when there's a setback how that's a that's a sign and a refinement to look around them in new ways and that's the that's what I love about this openness stage because we sometimes have more time to slow down and develop our intuition. So you think our intuition is somewhat genetic and then we develop it more? I think nature nurture, I do. Nature like nurture. everything else in life, I think that we can well, whatever we give attention to grows and expands. So giving attention and and that's why if any of you want to reach out to CC, that's the work she's doing with um with your dream weaver. She's she, that's what she calls herself. 
your dream weaver. You could find her, C.C. Elaine, your dream weaver. And I just feel like she's on a path of her own, just with such sweet simplicity. And sometimes we complicate things so she's much. She's very relatable. There's no question. Yeah. So thank you. So I thank, I thank you, C.C., for that special time we spent. And I also thank all of you for listening to some of these more spiritual podcasts that I've so enjoyed doing because these women, particularly women, but I actually had a couple with men in the past as well, who are really starting to tune into that soul, the soul that really Me can too. speak to us, language of the soul. Me too. I'm slowly but slowly learning the language of the soul. Yeah, you're reading a new book. What is it called? The, um, on, on, I mean, it's an older book. It's Gay, it's gay well, Hendrick's it, older, older book, but what is it called? It's a, it's a daily consciousness practice, and I'm really enjoying that because I can read it for one chapter a day, it's not even a chapter, it's one page. It's a story that makes a point, and then a simple technique, how to practice that uh, methodology that came from that story. Is there anything you can point to that you feel like you've learned that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, today uh, there was a story about the author uh, talking to somebody, but leaning on his uh shoulder in a bad way where it really hurt him and he realizes that his whole conversation is awkward and restless and impatient because he was uncomfortable and when he realized that it's really the comfort of the pain in his shoulder he changed position and his whole attitude in uh, conversation and tonality have changed well that's really interesting that's like a physical giving attention to the yeah. attention to, but it's still to consciousness. It shift it to shift exactly based on being aware exactly yeah. exactly anyway well we want, we invite you to visit our website theopenesters.com double n in the middle s at the end uh, visit our resources center as we described before you will find an array a treasure of podcasts, all of our 95 or so well, episodes. And the Resource Center is the articles, like the people articles, can really yes. learn more about these topics and about the open nest in general and articles and books. And also um, and in our library, which is under the Listen tab, you can find all of our podcasts. So you can go backwards to the library and find all of our podcasts of the last two years it's amazing we're coming up on our 100th podcast and it's coming up and a lot a lot a lot a lot of listeners we really appreciate it really appreciate it thank you the sharing is is huge we 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 would ask you to subscribe because that's really starting to bring us up in the numbers if you can subscribe to our podcast on the platform where you listen to podcasts and and when you if you like this particular kind of podcast please share them with your friends because that's that's the richness of building community even if we have to do it online and then discuss things so book clubs however you want to i'm happy to also respond or or get on a conversation with you so we're we're developing a community that's going to do some online work and i'd love and to you have hear a facebook i'd love to hear more about what you guys want or any kind of anything that you'd like to hear more about so on our facebook closed group you can discuss how whether you like this kind of episode, what other kind of episodes you're looking for, if you know guests or people that could be interesting to us. And we really, really thank you for being part of this episode. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. We will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. 
Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.